Well, good afternoon, everyone. This is Lauren Hodge joining you for another episode of EdChoice Chats. Today, we're going to be doing a uh, school choice and pop culture with one of my favorite series, Parenthood. So for those of you who know me and those of you who do not, my name is Lauren Hodge, and I'm a state director here with EdChoice. I come to you pretty fresh into the school choice movement. I previously worked as a litigator and came over after uh, seeing the juvenile justice system let down kid after kid after kid and really trying to get to the root cause of the issue. So I am I am very excited to be joined here today by my colleague, Brian. You want to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm um, Brian McGrath. I'm the vice president of external relations here at EdChoice. I have been uh, at EdChoice and its predecessor organization, the Freeman Foundation, for almost 20 years now, in and out of this school choice movement. I've seen a lot of different things happen. I've done fundraising. I've done program work. I've done partnership building. So it's been a fun ride uh, to be a part of. And welcome to the team, Lauren. It's only been a few months for you, I know. That's right. I'm glad to be here. So today we're going to watch one of, I think, our favorite series. big one. Parenthood. And for those of you who may not be familiar with the series, it is amazing. I'm just going (laughs) to tell you right now, amazing. Um, But it takes place in Berkeley, California, a pretty affluent area in California. And it focuses in on one particular family and the the extension of that family, so the sisters and the brothers. Um, and it follows kind of their paths over a course of a couple of years. Right. Uh, and so really one of the stories that we're going to look at today is the story of the Bravermans. And the Bravermans are led by Adam and Christina, and they have several children, one of whom is Max. And Max is a special needs child. And so we're going to look through some clips today Uh, that talk about Max's struggle with the school system. But I think one of the reasons I absolutely fell in love with the show is its it's genuine message. I mean, the the emotions that they show were raw emotions. The issues they showed were were issues that families dealt with, special needs and and just family dynamics and money and careers. I mean, just the things that in and and out, you know, it, it pulls at your heartstrings and it was just one of those shows that, you know, even if I walked away sobbing from an episode, I absolutely loved it. Right. Yeah, and for me, I mean, this show came out, I think, in 20, 2010, maybe. And, uh, you know, I have three children. I just had my third child at that time, my wife and I. And so I was in the throes of all these kinds of things like, hey, my life's totally different. I got a kid going to first grade. I got to actually deal with schools now. I mean, I've been talking about it for a long time. And now I actually have to be involved in the system. What's it look like? How does it work? What are all the issues that go into that? Um, so for me, when we started watching the show, you know, you would watch it and say, oh, yeah, I kind of get that emotion of what they're feeling there. And um, it just hit me at a time in life where it was very real that you're beyond the kind of, um, you know, one childless stage and then also the sort of freewheeling days of just having infants or, or little kids. Now you're actually you're sending your kids out into the world and the world is a complex place. Um, so anyway, that's why the show always appealed to me is that I could uh, not that I could identify exactly with their, all their plates, but. Uh, identify with the complexities they had to face every day. And, and what was, you know, admittedly a, a suburban, affluent lifestyle. Uh, this is not, you know, some, um, some hard knocks place. This was the, you know, one of the wealthiest parts of the country. So anyway, that's why the show always appealed to me because I could, in that part of my life, it was, uh, it hit home in a lot of ways. Well, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. I know as I continue to rewatch it, I, I pick up, I think, new things each yeah. time that I see it. So I think the first clip that we're going to see here today is uh, involving Max in a behavioral therapist. And so just a little bit of background uh, for those of you who may not be familiar with the show. Um, Max is the middle child in the Braverman family. He's right. got an older sister and 
later on a younger right. sister that'll come along. Spoiler alert, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, and so he is, he had been struggling with school for a long time, struggling behaviorally for a long time. And so the, uh, eventually it comes out and he is diagnosed with Asperger's. And while that's not a, a now recognized diagnosis, it was a very real issue for Max to contend with. Um, and so one of the things that his parents were able to do is hire a behavioral therapist. And so this clip is the very first interaction between the behavioral therapist and the character Max. Right. The horn lizard can squirt blood from its eyes. The armadillo lizard can curl itself up into a tight ball to protect itself from attack. The sun gazer lizard has spikes that cover its whole body, and lots of lizards can change colors. That's very cool, Max. So, we've been doing what you want for 20 minutes. It's time to try one of my games. No way. Hey, Max, be polite. Max, you get to choose whichever one you want. Oh, you know what? He doesn't like board games at all. Okay. We've tried. When you make a deal, he has to hold up his end of the bargain. Okay. <laughs> All right, Max, check this out. Cool. This is the deal, okay? Every minute you play one of these games, you get a sticker. I have a whole bunch of them in my bag here, all right? So you get up to 20 stickers, cash them in, you get the book. What do you say? How about I get the book first, then we play the game? I know how you feel, because you know what? I used to always want my dessert before my dinner. And it always turned out I had to have my veggies first, so. Yep. Forget it then. Max, honey, you know Max. what? Why don't we go get a cookie? Bye, I'm gonna get a no, cookie. No, no, yeah, no sure. cookies. You gotta stick with the plan. Gotta be okay. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Max, no cookie today. The reward is the book. I want the book. So we're gonna have to play a game. No. Okay. I want the right. book. You know, well, here's he the has deal. that tone. When he has that tone, it's all okay. bets are off. He's gonna it's lose okay. it. He's gonna it's lose okay. it. Listen, Max, nothing here is going to change unless you put guacamole back in the cage. You make the choice. Sorry, guacamole. <laughs> uh, so this is this is one of the clips. What, what do you think about it, Brian? Well, what jumps out at me is, because uh, like I said, I have these three kids that have gone through school um, or are going through school now, but... Uh, one of the tenets of school choice, of course, is that parents, you know, are the primary educators and they know best about their kids and they need to be empowered to um, figure out where their kids fit in. What this shows me, though, because I've dealt with this and so have a lot of other parents I know, is parents need help. This is not a, hey, I'm in charge of my kid's education and I'm a parent and I know how to do all the ins and outs of it, whether it's helping your kid with math or dealing with emotional issues or, or structural issues or, or discipline issues. Um, so school choice doesn't mean that all those things go away, that we don't you know, respect the role of teachers or administrators or counselors or other folks. Um, and in fact, this is a great example of that because there's the mom who has already got a program that's not working with their kid really. Hey, have a cookie, whatever. If he gets like this way, you just can't handle him. Um, but there's a professional in the room saying, um, no, you got to do these other things differently. Now, what we would want in the school choice world is to let the parents try to seek those people out. Yeah. Uh, let the parents maybe use some of the dollars associated with their kids' education to seek those services out. Um, so, for example, many states have things like course choice and course access now. So uh, why they couldn't use those kinds of resources to access those things for their, their children um, you know, is beyond me. But um, that's what struck me in the scene was that, you know, having, I've gone to parent meetings, I've gone to, to teacher counselor meetings, so-and-so's not behaving, what do we do? And you go in with all of these preconceived notions, but sometimes the people in the room, you know, they, they do care about your kid's well-being and uh, you just need a little help as a parent. 
Well, and I think um, contextually what, what sticks out to me with, with this clip is that um, – and you and I both chuckled at the same part where, uh, for those of you who are listening and and can't see the clip, um, the the behavioral therapist says, no, when right. when you make a deal, you have to stick to it. And, and the mom, Christina, kind of sits up straight and she kind of shakes it off like, oh, I didn't I didn't even know this was right. an option anymore. Yeah. Um, and so one of the things that that always, you know, reminds me in this scene is is the relief that comes not only to the Bravermans in this clip. As a family, but but to the teachers and to his behavioral. At this point in time, in this point in time, Max is still in a, a mainstream school. He's attending, but he's he's causing issues, right. and he's he's disruptive in the classroom. And so much of that school choice conversation that we have, it's about so much more than just the school. It's right. about actually being able to live effectively as a family right. and to have the skills that you're going to need, not not just so you can pass your math class, right. but so that you can be a successful member of, of society. And I think, you know, when we talk about especially behavioral therapists or, you know, any type of, of, of special needs program, um, you, one of the ways that I see this utilized the best are in ESAs, right. education savings accounts, or in tax credit scholarships, where they give that power to the parent to top up on their services, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe their child is doing really well in a lot of these areas, but this is this is the major challenge that they're facing. And as as you see throughout the the progression of the show, Max becomes this this beautiful, wonderful character over time. Spoiler alert! <laughs> um, but but he's able to grow and to develop in large part due to the behavioral therapist coming into the home. Right. And I think that when we talk about education, when we talk about you know the importance of it. it for so many people, it's not just the the importance of, of passing the class and getting the grades. It's about really becoming a, a functional, important member of, of society. Right. And for a lot of students, no matter what your need is, you might need a little help sure. in a certain area. That's life. I wish I would come out, you know, knowing everything. Right. But I've rarely, you know, I've rarely experienced that. And so I love to see the impact that that behavioral therapist can have and the impact that you know, um, it can bring not only to the child in school, but to the home itself. Right. Yeah, because it's all one big, um, uh, you know, complex system once you get down to it. Like I said, having three kids all, you know, doing their own separate things. I mean, three kids who came from exactly the same background, <laughs> go to the, exactly the same schools, but they all react completely differently. You're to telling me they're things. not all the same? They're not. <laughs> and uh, and to that, you know, that's fine. You know, and, and I think that you have to search out ways to, to make it work. And, and some of them have no issues. And, you know, one of them in particular is always a slow starter in the beginning of school. So we always have to go in. In fact, we were laughing about the other day. Hey, when's going to be our special parent-teacher meeting to, to talk about our son's slow start, you know? Um, and that's where these, these kinds of extra services can help, you know, and the counselors and things like that can help. So any tool you can give parents, I think, to to achieve what we think is their, you know, one of their primary jobs, which is to help with their kids' education, um, to me makes a lot of sense. So we just have to find ways to do that. Well, and I guess, you know, you're a parent. I've never met a parent who doesn't want the absolute best for right. their child, right? Who isn't looking for anything and everything that they can do, especially right. when a child's struggling. Sure. And these types of services are just so critical to that development. Right. And there's more and more. I mean, there's there's all kinds of services that are out there and available. Mm-hmm. Not every school, as we're going to see, and I think some some clips going forward, can provide everything you need. Yeah. And nor can they really, is it realistic to think they will. But that's where you've got to give the, okay, if that's not happening, how do we get them to a place they can 
thrive as a, as a child. That's really right. what you want. So Right. All right. So should we move on to our next sure. clip? So our next clip <clears throat> is uh, Max and Christina being in co- to a parent oh, meeting. Oh, parent meeting. I know a lot about this. <laughs> this is right up my alley. So this should be home territory yeah. for yeah, you. I... <laughs> uh, so Max and Christina are called in to a parent meeting. Um, after finding out that their their son is is struggling in the classroom, right. and I think for for those of you who are listening and and not able to watch, Max is a couple years older older yeah. here, so he's had the behavioral therapist. He's in this this public classroom, and this is kind of the the context for the clip. You ready? Yeah. Max is a very bright student, but his distractions make it hard for me to teach the other kids. And I find he does really well working independently. Working independently is that what you're calling it, Mr. Braverman? I'm doing my best. But I have 29 kids in that class. Okay, we get that you have 29 kids in your class, but what you're not realizing is that Max is one of them. I mean, this is ridiculous. I filled Principal Radford in on the situation. He thought it'd be best if he joined us. Oh, good. So we can talk to you about how you've decided to let him work independently in the library. We've been in these seats a lot this year, haven't we? Yes, yes, we have. No, I understand your frustration. No, I don't think you do. Otherwise, we wouldn't be sitting in these seats again. Mr. Braverman, you're absolutely right. Mr. Wyman should have contacted you when the problem started. And for that, I apologize. Thank you. But here's the bottom line. Max has trouble learning in a mainstream classroom environment. Mr. Wyman has trouble teaching when Max is there. Right now, no one is winning. I know the solution is not ideal, but for now, the best we can do is tell you that when Max has a tough or disruptive day, he'll be sent to the library to work on his own. I think that's a good solution for everyone. I disagree. I think that he should be in the classroom with his peers. There has to be another solution. Can he at least be transferred to another class? We will look into that. However, at this time, I can assure you, we are utilizing all of our resources to serve Max. So what, that's it? That's what you're gonna do, that's it? That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying it's a tough situation, and we are doing our best. Well, I think that your best is unacceptable. I really do. Wow, that is a packed <laughs> clip. <laughs> um, and for those who are who are listening, um, Max was being sent out of the classroom. He would become disruptive while the teacher was teaching. He had read all of the books and knew all of the facts, and he would just start kind of sharing them right. with the class. And so when he became disruptive, the teacher was sending him to the library. Right. And he apparently this had happened a lot because he kind of, he suggested himself, you know, library time. And they're like, yeah. So, right. Uh, so not a new thing. Um, well, I'll start on this one since I have so much sure. experience in parent meetings. That's right. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it is a hard situation I think they're dealing with because you watch the clip and you get the, you know, the rest of the kids are kind of, you know, squirming in their seats a little bit and it's uncomfortable to watch actually because you feel for them you feel for max the teacher's trying hard there's really no the, the guy says in there no one's winning um truthfully no one's trying to lose it either and i don't think this guy um you know this teacher doesn't wake up every day and think how can i get this kid out of my class that is not the case i don't think with with teachers whether they be in public school private school or whatever um so it is a hard situation but i think this is a great example of where sometimes the the school system or the teachers or the administrators' um, sort of goals and objectives mm-hmm. and solutions do not align with the parents' desires. Right. Um, and that's what this really comes down to because the parents, the Bravermans, want their kid in a normal situation and he's not exactly fitting in there. Um, and that's a hard situation to deal with. I can tell you it happens all the time. Uh, every one of my kids through their, their elementary and middle school years now has had a child uh, who's, who's disruptive in class. Sometimes they have special needs. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're just a rowdy kid. Um, the kids tend to find a way to deal with it. Um, mm-hmm. But these are things that happen every single day in school. So again, it's one of those things that, you know, given an opportunity to 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 move a kid somewhere where maybe he's got a better, maybe it's a different 
different environment in school that he that he uh, feels more comfortable in. Maybe it's smaller classes. Maybe it's a different kind of teaching style. You know, who knows? But the the system we have now in public school is just not designed to deal with every situation like that. Right. Well, and I think you know, so much of what you say is is true. Nobody in that classroom is is out there to get max, right? right? Nobody's no, nobody's trying to lose, as you said. But you do hear we're 29 students. Right. We we have 29 other kids that are in this class, and I can't. This is the problem. I can't handle this. Right. And you know, it, it's one of those things where you know the the school choice movement, at least in in my mind, it's not about. It's not about demonizing any particular school setting or any particular teacher style or teachers. It's about recognizing that not every kid is the exact right. same. And for some kids, a different a different style or a different place might be ideal. I think um, for those of you who know the show, you know that one of the, the same period of time, one of Max's other teachers takes away his chair. And what he finds is that Max does really well if he can stand up. He's better at paying attention, right. and he's he can exercise some of that extra energy that he has. And that's an example of a you know unique teaching style right. that that teacher was able to deploy. But not every teacher is able to do that. Not every classroom is able to accommodate that. Right. You know, the other thing that I think is really interesting in this this piece, and for those of you that are listening, you're not able to see it. But it's a situation where the parents are sitting together at the desk, right. and then you have the administrator, the principal, standing over them saying, this is the solution. This is the best solution I have at this right. period of time. And you have, you've, you've probably sat in desks like that <laughs> in your parent meetings, yeah. right? That power dynamic is very difficult, I can imagine, yeah. because you have somebody saying, you know, you're supposed to trust the principal. You're supposed to trust the teacher. You're supposed to trust the administrator. They're the, they're the professionals. Right. And they're telling you, this is the best I have to imagine that's a very difficult thing. Yeah, it is. It's frustrating. And I've gone into one of these, like I said, my one of my kids is a kind of a slow starter at the beginning of the year. And so we inevitably go in a couple weeks in and say, all right, what can we do? Um, so much so that now we actually sort of alert the teachers ahead of time and say, hey, it's just going to take them a little while to get spooled up. But what can we do? And you should know. But um, I can remember being very frustrated in one particular session we went in. And their answer was kind of like, I don't know, uh, take away his iPad. Or, you know, like mm-hmm. they basically prescribed a bunch of things that we could be doing, which is certainly reasonable. Sure. Um, but there didn't seem to be much on their end other than, hey, he's just got to pick up the pace. And, you know, that actually may have ended up being right. Um, but uh, it just felt like we were in that powerless situation. Like there was nothing they were going to be able to do more than they were already doing. And as a consumer of something, you know, mm-hmm. um, you want something different than that. You want someone, you know, if you're, you know, if your car breaks down, you want a mechanic to tell you the great options and so solve your problem, not to say, oh, I don't know. Right. Try something else. But I think this is a great opportunity or a great uh, example, too, of something I heard once when I was in New Hampshire. I did work up there maybe 15 years ago and before they had a school choice program. But I remember this guy I was doing some stuff with, and he said, you know, public schools work great up here for about 80 or 90 percent of the kids. Mm-hmm. But for that 10 percent, they just don't. And it has nothing to do with the school or anything else. And so, you know, for most of those kids in that classroom, they seem like your normal average kid who was probably doing okay. And Max was the one who was having an issue. So, again, it doesn't mean that those kids are bad or that the teacher's doing the wrong thing or that the school's inherently bad. It just means the situation isn't working out for Max. And as a parent, again, you want whatever uh, resources you can to try to fix that situation for your kid. Because at the end of the day, you are most concerned and really, I would say, almost only concerned about your kid when it comes right down to it. Well, and and I think that that's a good example of you know this this whole context of these clips. We talk about Max, who do, who is special, yeah. right? He he does have some unique challenges to him, but 
But the fit piece, the being able to be in an environment where you learn your best, right. where you, you can thrive, where you can um, take away those distractions or whatever it is that, that's impeding the ability to, to actually learn in that classroom – that's universal. Right. That's that's every single child. That's every single parent who's right. who, who have gone into these meetings who are talking about you yeah. know changing it. So I mean, even though this context is is certainly with with the the special needs, this does involve vouchers. Right. This does involve education savings accounts, tax credit scholarships, uh, you know, all of these things so that 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 fit for a kid, no matter what it is, that they are, they're in the best environment they can possibly be. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think that next clip that we're going to see is Christina in an IEP meeting. So um, an individualized education plan or more commonly a special needs situation where the the parent is meeting with uh, the school and they're trying to work through what the, the best needs of that child are and the services. Um, the context for the clip is that this mom who has a daughter with special needs approaches Christina, the mom in the Braverman household, right. because she's walked this path with Max. And she's she's seen what this is, and she needs help as she goes into this meeting. Ready? Yeah. Let's do it. I had a chance to look over the IEP. How are you feeling? Honestly, uh, we're not feeling so good. Um, I would like to reopen the discussion under Section 5 and request that Kiara be put back in the mainstream classroom with the help of a one-on-one paraprofessional aide. Those aides can do tremendous work, can't they? Yes. There are two reasons why I don't think it's right for this particular situation. One, we don't like to put aides in the high school classes. Uh, in middle school, they're fabulous. But beyond that, the results are very rarely worth the distractions. And two, the costs are prohibitive, except when the situation absolutely requires it. May I say something? I think that Yara is such a great student. She's smart as a whip, and I think that she's college-bound. But in order for her to get there, she needs to be in a setting that challenges her academically Braverman, and socially. I, and yes, We tried putting her in a mainstream classroom last year, and her grades suffered. Yes, but the workload was not the issue. It, it's just it's, the classroom was a little overwhelming. And so I'm thinking that if she has the aid, maybe she can keep up. I think the best thing to do is to find a way to challenge her while keeping her in the special ed room. How would you do that? How? I mean, I've seen the special ed room, and she does not belong there. Sorry, just it's frustrating. What if we offer an additional check-in each day mm -hmm. with the special ed teacher, Mrs. Crumley? Mm -hmm. uh, I think bringing the check-ins from two to three will help the child tremendously. Okay, it's, that sounds that sounds like it could work. Good. All right. Uh, moving on to uh, speech therapy. Unless anyone has anything else to add. Okay. We didn't even know what we were advocating for. Right. This poor girl doesn't have any options. Like, she shouldn't be in mainstream, but she shouldn't be in special ed. So it's like, where do we put her? Sounds like Max. It's exactly like Max. That's the thing. I was sitting there the whole time trying to compare the two situations, and I couldn't. And I'm like thinking, next year, where is Max going to be for high school? Next year. Next year. You know how fast high that school. went? High school. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. I don't know. I just felt badly because I wanted to help her, and I didn't. I didn't. Sorry. Listen, I know you've been dealing with this IEP stuff, but can you handle a little more potentially bad news? Are you kidding? No. What do you mean? What? Max's history teacher has been sending him to the library every day during class. Wait, I'm sorry, what? I just found out from Max the details I got were vague, but from what I can tell, this Mr. Wyman 
I think, just doesn't want to deal with him. He has to deal with him. He can't just send him to the library. Educationally advocate I'm that advo situation. No, that is ridiculous. He can't do that. Yeah. What is happening this advocate year? Advocate his ass. I'm going to advocate his ass. Yeah. What is his name? Mr. Wyman. Mr. Wyman. Guess what? I want you to set a meeting with him. I did already. Do it. We're having a meeting with when? him tomorrow. We're Good. We're going to talk to Mr. Mr. Wyman. Hyman. It's Mr. Wyman. Whatever. Don't. I'm going to break him. Please don't do this to me. All right. So I guess if you're right, I'll I'll start this in. one. That's right. Oh. Um, so this was, you know, a parent IEP meeting. Um, and you'd almost sense the the tension from the clip. Right. The the mom is sitting there and she starts off with I'm not feeling good. I mean, right. you're you're there. And had she not even had Christina with her, it would have been one with three people sitting across from her that, you know, know the system, know the rules, know what's available, know the resources, right? There's a lot of knowledge that sits across from her. But at the same time, this mom knows her, her kid. Right. And, you know, you can almost, you can see from, from the clip, she's, she is visibly anxious. She's visibly frustrated by this process. And I think, you know, what's so interesting about it is that she comes in with a solution, right? I, I'd like to see this happen. And it's automatically dismissed as, you know, and that's not the way, you know, we don't see these types of gains in high school and we don't want to do that unless it's absolutely necessary. Right. So the counter solution that's being provided is simply a, a, a check-in. Um, I don't think you can tell me what you think. I don't think she was. I don't think she was ultimately happy with that solution. Right. But you saw her kind of become resigned to it, right. where she's like, "Well, okay, I guess if that that's what you think will work." And so often, you know, parents that are going in, they they know their kid the best, but they're sitting across from people that are professionals. That right. that you know, you, you were kind of told put your faith in in them and and trust them, and for good reason. I'm not saying, like right. you said, no one in here right. is a bad actor. It's simply the the context of of sitting there and being told, well, this is this should work. Well, oh, okay, I I guess we'll do that. Yeah. Um, and so you know that 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 tension from that meeting. I wonder how many parents walk away from meetings. Sure. <laughs> where you, you kind of say there was no real outcome there yeah. that that's that's viable, or you walk away with that unsettled feeling of I, I don't feel like this is actually a, a solution. Right. Yeah, what struck me about um, looking at that, and if you couldn't see it, they both sides seem, well, the mom seems, mm -hmm. she seems powerless from the beginning. Yeah. She seems very nervous. Uh, and the other guy, the, the administrators on the other side kind of come in, and they seem much more business-like mm -hmm. because they're going through this meeting. This is their job that day is to, to check this box of we met with so-and-so and we came up with some solution. And again, not that they came in waking up that day thinking how they could make this woman's life miserable, but... Um, in a way, she's powerless to do much, and they seem a little powerless to do much. Um, the situation doesn't seem like it can be resolved very easily because there are some limitations on what schools can do. Absolutely. Um, and I think you're right. She, she sort of is resigned to whatever they come up with just because it seems like it's something um, different or maybe it's you – know, but it's, it's just not the exact same status quo. But this is almost like a, a perfect advertisement for ESA, right? Right. This is exactly why ESAs exist because right. – there are just some places, some inst instances, some kids, some schools, whatever, where it just doesn't work out. Mm -hmm. And rather than trying to constantly take that those kids and run them through a, a, a mill that's not going to work, you know, let them go somewhere else. And so that's what you're sort of you're begging for in the end of this is they would find some way to say, 
you know, she's apparently a bright kid. She's got all this talent, um, but she just isn't working out there. And that's where you start to think, you know, if you look at this from an outside perspective, like how many of those kids are out there? You know, how many kids are out there in these schools that maybe they're just not identified the proper way or getting what they need, and then their lives are dramatically different? Right. You know, right? I mean, some kid going through, I don't know what age this, this student was supposed to be, but, you know, if you're in fifth grade or fourth grade or sixth grade and you're already kind of, a, you know, predestined not to get the education you're capable of achieving. Right. You know, what does that do to you long term? Um, it's it's harrowing to think about, really. So. Well, and, and it identifies what I will refer to as the in-betweeners, right? Yeah. So she doesn't belong in the mainstream. She doesn't belong in the special ed. But where is there to go? Right. And I mean, you know, for... For those of you who know the series, you know how this ends up. Um, but it, but this is the importance of of innovation, right? right? And innovation in education. And you know, so so often these these schools they have the requirements that they need to fulfill, right? right? Hold the IEP meeting. We held the IEP meeting. We generated some solutions. You check the box, and you're you're doing the best you can right. because you've got hundreds and hundreds of students, sure. right? So 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 no malintent that that's that's created there, but. This is why schools like charters, this is why places need to be able to innovate, need right. to be able to, or private schools need to be able to innovate and say, okay, we're going to do this a little bit differently. Right. Maybe you maybe you do need somebody that sits with you in the class, or maybe you're really good for, for this period of time and then you have to be pulled out. Um, and so when we talk about regulations, when we talk about a lot of these schools are fighting uphill battles, right? right. They, have, they have their check boxes that they have to mark off. And yet, you know, there are these really great private schools. There right. are these really great charters where these kids can can get access to resources in the way that you need. And also, you know, the impact that that has, like you said, on on other students in the classroom, right? So we don't want to we don't want to interfere with other people's ability to learn. Right. That much is clear. But you know, at the cost of of what, right? So we don't want to have students that are in the classroom that are disruptive that are going to disrupt the rest of the class. But balancing those. That's a lot to ask from a class of 30. It is. <laughs> and a lot to ask from teachers. It's a lot to ask from me. I mean, this is the, the <laughs> fallacy of what we've created is a system that is supposed to serve every kid. You know, there are, what, 50 million kids in school or something like that. Um, basically, and the outcome is supposed to be perfect for all of them. I mean, that's sort of the aspiration, right? They're all going to succeed. Um, and it's impossible. I mean, it's we're, we're giving... Uh, the system of schooling we've created the way we do it now, it's an impossible task, which is why innovation and things like even allowing people to access other kinds of schools, whether it be right. private or homeschool or all these other things that are out there online, whatever it may be, um, that's the way it has to go if we're going to try to raise the level of success stories for, for some of these kids, for sure. Well, and I think, you know, going back to your point with, with New Hampshire, Indiana, we're, we're based here in Indianapolis, and Indiana's had choice for a very long time. The public schools are still up and running. Sure. We're talking about taking that segment of the population that it's not working for. Right. You know, that's certainly not every single, you know, student. And so when we talk about school choice, it's important that, yeah, everyone should be able to have that opportunity, right? right? Just because you're born into a certain zip code or born into a certain family. Mind you, all of these clips are taking place in a very right. affluent <laughs> area yeah. that probably has more resources than most. And it's still not quite working. Right. And again, it's not because of anybody's not trying their right. best. It's just a matter of sometimes things need to be, you just need to keep trying something different. So, um, right. and I think you see that a lot in, in schooling today. We just got to find ways to, to keep letting people access what they need to access. Um, actually, I have this one quick sort of thing that reminds me of this. I have a friend whose parents are public school teachers, and he's adamant about supporting the public Absolutely. school. And, and uh, he's always questioning me about my uh, 
my advocacy for this issue. But anyway, and we live in the same neighborhood, so his daughter's having a tough time in reading class a couple of years ago. And I said, hey, would you ever consider pulling her out of the school? And he said, well, yeah, I guess if, you know, if she just doesn't get over the hump, I would. And I said, well, does that mean you're somehow condemning that school? Don't we all love this school? And mm-hmm. he said, yeah, we do. And I said, well, there's your school choice, you know. But he had always viewed it as it was us saying, no, that schools were bad or teachers were bad or whatever. And that's just not the case. No, it, it, that's absolutely, I think, I think that hits the nail on the head. Yeah. Should we turn to our last clip? Absolutely. This one's a tough one for me. Yeah. Max, buddy. I said I don't want to talk. I know you don't want to talk about it, but we've been driving for over two hours, and I think your dad and I can help if you explain to us what happened. Can we turn on the radio? (sighs) Yeah. That's a good idea. We can wait till we get home. Talk about it then. Why do all the other kids hate me? Honey, nobody hates you. Nobody hates you. Is it because I'm weird? (laughs) Honey, you're not weird, okay? I think sometimes, I don't know, kids don't understand your Asperger's and they misinterpret it as being weird or whatever. But you're not weird. You're you're so smart and you're hilarious. If I'm smart and hilarious, then why do they hate me? They they don't hate you. I promise. Trevor peed in my canteen. I'm gonna kill him. He said he did it because I'm a freak. I am a weirdo freak. You're not a freak. I think he's right. Oh, he's an asshole, He's an idiot. You're not a freak, honey. I think I am a freak. I try to understand them, but I can't. Asperger's is supposed to make me smart. But if I'm smart, then why... Why don't I get why they're laughing at me? They all do it, even the nice kids. Even Micah. And I don't understand why. I don't understand. Okay, buddy. Okay. You're not allowed to be without a seatbelt in the moving vehicle. I don't care. I don't like being hugged. I don't care. I I don't like being hugged. I know you don't. I just want you to listen to me. I don't like being... I love you, but... Okay, I love you so, so much. It's okay. That scene gets well, me every yeah. time. Hey. <laughs> Lauren, how are you feeling now? I know, yeah. It's my tears <laughs> coming down. <laughs> you weren't kidding when you said these were tears. I know, I know. But it's one of it's one of the most powerful scenes yeah, in my absolutely. mind from, from parenthood. And there are a lot of them, but especially as it relates to, to Max. Um, and so just for a little bit of context from this clip, he's about eighth grade here, I think, because it's before he starts high school. Um, and really that... That realization, I am a freak. Right. I mean, he, how many times in that clip does does he continue to push back? No, you're not. No, I I feel this way. And I think, you know, um, Florida just passed that bullying legislation. So if you have been a, a victim of bullying, 
you're now eligible for basically a choice program to to leave that school and go into to another school. Um, this is a huge thing in the choice field. Mm, I feel yeah. like we we have to address because. I mean, you it's a powerful scene. You've got the dad in the, the front who's tearing up. You've got the mom who's who's going back. He doesn't even like to be touched. And, and, and she's throwing her arms around him because I think I'm not a parent, but that has to be your worst nightmare. Oh, absolutely. Like the worst nightmare. Um, and so I think that it's it's a really um, important way when we go back to that, that universality of saying, hey, we have to have some some like fits important. <laughs> Choice is important if only to make sure we have the right fit because for a portion of kids, it is a living nightmare every yeah. day. And it's he had like I think the context for it was he had gone out on a field trip and it was the very first time his mom didn't go on a field trip with yeah. him. And because his mom had always chaperoned, knowing that he had some, you know, some issues that had dealt with and he asked her not to because he wanted to start asserting his independence. So you've got a parent <laughs> trying to support, but like right. also being very nervous. And then this your worst fear happens. Right. I mean, this scene just, it breaks my heart every single time, but I feel, I'm still crying, but I feel like it's, it's so important that we talk about it for, for the kids that really do face this in the classroom. Yeah. Yeah. This scene is fascinating to me because it touches about every emotion as a parent you have on the rawest of levels. So the number one thing you think when you're a parent is I want my kid to be safe in every environment possible, right? So like I said, when I first started watching the show, um, this was a couple years in this particular scene, but you know, we're first sending our kids on the bus by themselves and all mm-hmm. that. Of course, my wife followed the bus to the school the first day because all the moms do. It's like a caravan, <laughs> and um, but that's pretty fun. You know, that was great. Um, but we sort of went through a minor version of this, so you know, we find out our, a couple weeks later, our first graders getting picked on on the bus, right? So of course, you're. I mean, I'm just like you know, uh, Adam in that scene. He's just steely eyed. He's calling the kids names. He's gonna kill them. I mean, all yeah. those things. That's what you feel, right? Yeah, we dealt with it fine and it went okay. But then you're there there's that self-doubt of I just put my kid in some terrible situation, right? Um or not terrible, but you're you know, they're not safe. I can't right. hold my hands around them all the time. Um and then it also touches on how hard it is to just communicate with your kids sometimes. Yeah. You know, as they as they grow. Like some kids will tell you everything. Some kids will tell you nothing. You know, so we didn't know about my kid, for example, getting picked on for like three weeks because he just didn't say anything about it. And he's a shy kid. Um and so that's why they were picking on him a little bit, because he was a little bit shy. Um it also, I think, touches on, um, you know, one of these desires that every parent has is is not, is my kid going to get an A in algebra or whatever? It's, are they going to socialize with others? Are they going to feel accepted? Are they going to accept others? Are they going to have a life that, um, you know, it's not, to your point, like waking up every day terrorized that you're going to go to school because you're going to get picked on. You're going to sit by yourself at the lunch table. You know, you're not going to be able to compete athletically or whatever it may be. Um and that's a big deal, too. And one of the things our, the Ed Choice research constantly shows when we talk to parents who use these school choice programs, or even not, is what do you want out of this educational environment? Well, I want my kid to be safe. I want him to learn you know, certain things. Test scores are up there and academics are up there, but they're almost never number one, if right. I remember the research correctly. So there's a lot that goes into, um, as I mentioned earlier, the complexity of what education and schooling is. And this scene just touches on all of them. Right. And um and that's why it's so hard to you know for, to get these things right all the time. But um, yeah, that scene is about as um, <laughs> about as poignant as it gets when it comes to how you deal with your child or your children on a everyday basis. Um, and again, it has nothing to do with you know with the test scores at the end of the day. It's yeah. really it's how their day goes. I mean, they're in school or in that school environment for for more than you know almost a third of their day at least. So. 
Um, one other thing it touches on too that I think too is that um, it shows how it's hard for adults. So we're all there making policy on mm-hmm. this and that and the other, but we don't see the world through a kid's eyes. That's a good point. You know, so he's saying, "Hey, I'm supposed to be so smart, and yet my right? life stinks." You know, I'm supposed to be this, and I'm experiencing that. Um, and it's hard because it's hard to go back. I mean, how many times did you hear this? Well, when I was in school, right? You know, so but it's hard to really see the eye, the, the world through a kid's eyes right now. Um, and the truth is, it's hard to grow up. It's harder now than I mean, I don't know, it's harder now than it used to be. But there's a lot that goes into it, whether it's social media bullying or mm-hmm. kids bullying in school. Now, I think the upside of that is it's gotten a lot of attention, so there's there's more right. focus on not letting those things happen. But it's it's just hard for us sometimes, I think, as advocates to to really dig down and, and see what a individual right. kid is. And I mean advocates on both sides. Same right. thing for people who are you know teachers and administration, everybody else. Well, and I think you know when we when we look at that individual scene, um, the ability to, I mean, he's at a very formative age and I'm certainly not a psychologist, but you know, eighth grade, the moment you really, you've got a kid labeling himself a freak. And I mean that, that I think has lasting ramifications. Um, like I said, not a psychologist, but, (laughs) but I can't imagine that that wouldn't, that wouldn't carry over. And so, you know, going back to your comment about, you know, for these for these children, well, this is his everyday. This right. is his this is his world. This is his life, and he has to live it every single day. And so, when we have these kids that are so um, emotionally, uh, psychologically, just sometimes even physically terrorized, right. um, getting making sure that parents have that that ability to pull them out of that environment and not face, you know, ramifications, the, you know, spoiler alert, right? I'll, I'll, <laughs> right. For all of you who are listening to that very emotional scene, um, it does get better. <laughs> and it ends up with a charter school being created um, by Max, uh, by Max's parents, Adam and Christina. Yeah. And it's called Chambers Academy. And they do, you know, they focus in on kids with special needs that are, you know, very high achieving, but aren't, aren't working in the mainstream right. classroom, Right. And so um, there is a lot of really happy things that happen that come that come out of this. And luckily, you know, in this fictional story, he he ends up winning at the end. Right. But not every kid is that lucky. Right. Right. And so the importance that we have, not only every duty that we have, not only to every child, but to get it right and get it right the first time, I think, right. is so important. And this scene really crystallizes. Yeah. That. And on that same note, I mean, to, to get it right and to keep trying until you get it right, too. I yes. mean, one of the great things about education now versus, say, 20, 30 years ago is that there is an opportunity to innovate and start new schools. And there's money available if you can pull it together to, to start a charter or build your own private school. Very hard to do, but um, can be done. There's lots more opportunities. And that's the promise of choice. I mean, right. um, you know, our, our founder of all this stuff for us, Milton Friedman, never talked about test scores or academic outcomes. He just viewed choice as a way to provide a better educational system for everybody. Right. And, you know, he wasn't prescribing what that looked like. But giving people the choice, giving the parents the choice um, gives, you know, that opportunity, that the chance to grow. And education is going to look different now in 10 years than it does now. And 20 years on, certainly different than that. And uh, that's really where the power of choice comes, I think, is is – being able to adapt to the times and not just say, well, back when I was in school, this right. is what we did. Because back when you were in school, it was a long time ago. That's and right. school's different now, and it'll be different forever. So, Well, Brian, I think we covered a lot. We I did. think we covered, we covered charters. We covered educational savings accounts, tax credit savings accounts, special needs. Good podcast.
podcast. Yeah, well, and you you only cried once, so that's good. You showed a lot of courage in that. Only one time. I'm going to be honest. But I've watched that clip like eight times and have yeah, cried every single that's time. That's a tough one. I watched that one, too. It sort of gets your you know, your ire up about a bad situation. So, <laughs> so yeah, thanks for participating in it. we got a few things to um, encourage you all to do. So if you have new pop culture series ideas, send them our way. Uh, you can email us at media at edchoice.org. And if you've got a show that you've found somewhere along the way that dealt with school choice issues, we'd love to love to have it to you. Um, subscribe to us at SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. I have to admit, I don't know what Stitcher is. Um, somebody out there does. Somebody knows there. <laughs> if you know what it is, uh, join up on that one. Follow us on social media, at EdChoice, on all the normal channels. And sign up for our email, especially at the website. The website is edchoice.org. There's all kinds of great information there about all the programs we tried to touch on today. And that's where you can find uh, other pop uh, culture series or podcast as well. So Lauren, it's been great. We'll have to do it again sometime. Sounds great, Brian. All right. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye.